Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or physician, and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, DeWalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Well, welcome everybody to yet another episode of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I really think you're gonna enjoy this one because I'm bringing Aiden Bradley back behind the microphone. He was with me on our last episode, provided some good insights around consulting approach. Now we're gonna talk fractional COO. That's right, a true chief operating officer in your business. Do you have one? Do you need one? Is yours the right one? We may get into all of that. So get your pad and pen ready. This will be another note-taking episode and brew another wonderful cup of that Mila coffee. The Group Practice Accelerator podcast is on the air. Well, welcome everybody once again to the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I am your host, Perrin Desports, and as I teased in the introduction, I'm joined by a good friend of mine and a good friend to many of you. Aiden Bradley, who was with me on the last episode, is joining me to talk about the work that he does with clients in a fractional COO role. A little bit different from strategic consulting. This is going to be a fun conversation. AB, thanks so much for hopping behind the microphone again with me. Great to be with you as always, Perrin, and uh, really excited about this particular uh, podcast with the new vertical that we have here at Polaris. I didn't give you a whole heck of a lot of choice as to whether or not to be on the show today, so I kind of com- appreciate your compliance <laughs> and your willingness, my man. Let's uh, let's talk a, a bit um, about a service that you have been spearheading for our company that most people don't know about because we don't promote it very well, candidly, uh, and that is fractional COO. I, I mentioned uh, in, in the introduction that I do for the show that uh, my partner, DeWalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience, blah, 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 blah. And you have decades of experience, operational experience, work, working with numerous different multi-site healthcare businesses, uh, some dental, some not dental. Um, so a, a variety of experience regionally and certainly from an application standpoint. And I think most of the people in the audience uh, of this podcast, or if they've seen us speak, uh, or talk to you or me, think about um, Polaris, uh, I don't want to say predominantly, but some, one of the main services we offer is strategic consulting and its growth strategy. That's different from the role that you play as a, a fractional COO. So why don't we take this from the top and let me just let you expound upon this for our audience in terms of how being a fractional COO and working with a client in that capacity is different from a strategic consulting role. You want to take that one from the top? Yeah, of course, Perrin. I mean, and it's a great question because I think it helps delineate the the two verticals. Simply how I would put it is that strategic consulting is is more of the upfront visionary portion of a an entrepreneurial doc or or group practices vision to grow and where they want to be. Generally, we work in about a three to five year window. What we had found was that 
there were many groups that had a vision, they had a team, they had an infrastructure, but they were they were just unable to execute on it. And what we identified was less advisory to the CEO slash owner uh, was needed and more of an in-house operational leader to really get under the hood for them. And uh, from there, uh, we began this vertical and have grown it uh, considerably since we started. And for me, this really puts me into my comfort zone as a former operator. Uh, where I'm working with the teams directly and identifying, you know, key areas to, to start moving the organization forward. Yeah, well, well said. And you know, I think um, one of, one of the most when, when I get this question, I don't get it nearly as often as you do. But one of the most noteworthy aspects in in terms of differentiating the two services uh, is that when you are working as a fractional COO for a client you actually have an email address within the the client's company. <laughs> so it, yeah. it is it is not an arm's length, you know, engagement as a consultant. You are uh, working in the business and on the business, um, which I, I think is kind of cool. It integrates you as part of um, the entire team for better or for worse. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about that, you know, kind of role as as a uh, a fractional COO for a client, what what do you actually do when you're working with them? Give us a couple of examples um, from client work you got. You know, so firstly, most most owners come to us when they've kind of thrown their hands up and if if pleaded no mas, uh, they're they're kind of at a at a standstill of of where to go. So generally, these require a couple you know, in-depth phone calls or Zooms meetings with owners to really hone in on where they feel that they're quote unquote stuck. And there's a lot of common denominators where they've hit that proverbial wall. So we generally start to ask questions around what segments of the business are not performing. And from a high level, obviously we start looking at same store sales, we start looking at compressed margins, and they just they just need some sort of outside set of eyes to come in and look. So we'll assess the organizational health and the financial analysis uh, of the organization. And then we end up meeting with the leadership team, the supervisors, and the frontline uh, team members to start identifying what they think their jobs are, what they do, is there overlap or gaps? And then from there, we start to identify some key objectives and deliverables. And the the owner up front will need to let the team know that that they are bringing in outside help and that those team members will, will no longer be working day-to-day with the owner or even if they have a director of ops or a current COO, but rather with the Polaris team and in particular myself. So that's sort of where we get get the train off the, you know, moving down the tracks from there. Yep. Yep. Okay. So once uh once we do once you do that, um this is going to be sort of a touchy question, um, uh, or a touchy subject rather, but what are some of the what are some of the scenarios you typically run into? I mean, there somebody's going to bring you on as a fractional COO because they're 
frustrated with the business's lack of progress, maybe lack of profitability, accountability of the team. Um, they feel the the founder feels like the business is uh, kind of going around in circles. Um, you know, but like, what are what are some of the things you encounter early on in maybe not all engagements, but a good number of them? What are what are some of the things you could put your finger on? Yeah, that's that's probably the the best and most crucial question to ask. You know, I think one of the common denominators has been is to deliver transparency from the top down to the current leadership team. Obviously, uh, people will internalize that they're potentially not living up to the to the standard of of what the owner's looking for. So coming in as an outside resource into their you know into their ethos is very difficult. So trying to build trust with them, is is key and one of the common denominators that we find is that the team that is set up is not necessarily the team that's going to get them over the hump they've done very well uh or good enough throughout the the inception of the of the growth plank from say one office to several offices and then just from a lack of outside expertise awareness, experience, uh, they start to not understand different areas of the business as it comes to scaling, uh, profitability, uh, particular key performance measures and what we should be measuring. And the way we've always done, as I'm using in air quotes, becomes sort of the mantra of many of these organizations. So we we have to learn to unwind both from a cultural standpoint and from a thought process standpoint ways to get around the hump and often it includes you know some significant change and i, I would advise you know all owners that consider this vertical and all the ones that we have have been in with with both feet uh, that there's going to be change whether it be on the process side uh, the people side, the alignment, some of the team members, that's definitely going to be areas that they're going to have to look at to see if who they have on the field right now is a team that can win for them. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, um, <laughs> I don't want to speak for you, but you probably have like the evaluation of current personnel or current leadership in their roles, right person, right seat, uh, is parlance that a lot of our our um, audience understands from the EOS days and everything like that. And I think that's probably all but 100% of the scenarios that you find yourself in. Um, let's maybe pivot from that and talk a little bit more on, you know, areas of impact in the business and sort of the approach that you take um, with all of that. I mean, you know, a COO is or should be connected to almost all business related aspects of a group healthcare practice, you know, short of uh, every, every, anything and everything short of like 
um, working with the, the, uh, the doctor team, the clinical staff in terms of clinical philosophy, obviously we don't do that. Um, but in terms of the areas that you make an impact and the approach that you take, the way that you do that, let's maybe dig into the ops side of the business, the business side of the business, um, that's not patient care. Um, what are, what are some of those and maybe some of the things, the challenges you see and, and the way you're able to navigate that? The first thing that that I do and that we do is simultaneously we want to build out a financial model to see where the business really is. And then we I look for an organizational chart immediately to kind of see how they're aligned. And then I go through a series of questions to get a sense of how these people, you know, how the team ended up in their seat, what kind of experience do they bring, how long have they been with the organization. I asked some very difficult questions, too, on the culture aspect of it. Are they servant leaders? Are they um, uh, micromanagers? Is there any common denominators that that we see where they've had some some struggles with? That's where that's where we really get the owner sort of looking inward. We talked about, you know, getting comfortable being uncomfortable. That's where they really have to look inward to see uh, how the team that they have put together, uh, is performing and also most importantly leading. So in not any particular order of of importance because they're all important, but we look definitely at marketing operations. And when I say operations, we talk about everything from finance to payroll, HR, revenue cycle. Uh, we delve into their call center. You know, one area of the call center is you know missed calls. Um, how many are we converting? What kind of metrics are we using? And then from there, because I'm working directly with the leadership and not with the owner, I'm not getting filtered information from, uh, you know, kind of two levels down. I'm I'm knee to knee with them often, whether in in person or uh, on Zoom calls. So I run L10 meeting level 10 meetings for EOS. Um, uh, users out there, but very structured meetings to identify all the issues, discuss them, look for solutions for them. But at the same time, I'm heavily, heavily um, re- reviewing and evaluating the leadership team to make sure that what I'm hearing is matching what we are seeing. Yep. Yep. Excellent. All right. So this is, you know, um, it's very impactful. I'll I'll say it's very impactful to founders of businesses. Um, you know, we talk about business ownership and everything, but really, you know, from a founder perspective, these are the men and women who um, who built the initial uh, successful solo practice. They're the ones who took the risk um, of guaranteeing more loans uh, and acquiring or buying or building additional locations kind of been their vision. They have pulled people um, up through the ranks of the organization as the organization has grown. Uh, And a lot of that kind of travel knowledge and loyalty and everything is is really great because it usually helps to perpetuate hopefully a healthy culture. Um, Occasionally not so much in terms of operational effectiveness. But you know we talk about your role in the business and working in the business and how you work with the team and all. But I think it's equally uh, important to to kind of talk through how you are, are able to positively impact the founder of the business, 
kind of working directly for him or her and guiding, building, evaluating the team for them. That's um, uh, it's not a luxury, I don't want to say, but it's 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 certainly a different set of eyes for a founder that's kind of bootstrapped a business from the ground up to bring in somebody that's got your level of experience. Right. Do you want to do you want to talk about how how you kind of work with the owners or founders of businesses and then the impact that you make kind of how you do that? Yeah, of course. So from from a tactical standpoint, one of the first things that I want to do with the owner is sit down and what we create something called a, a RACI chart, which is an acronym for uh, responsibility, accountability, consulted and informed. And this generally breaks down in a vertical sense, all of the different leadership teams and then horizontally across that rubric is a uh, a set of responsibilities or t- or tasks as i should say and then each one of those boxes if you can picture this grid will have one of these letters in right who's responsible for it who's accountable who's consulted and who's informed this really gives me a sense of our our leaders delegating appropriately downward and managing upward. When I see a lot of R's and A's next to the owner and the highest level operational person, to me, that tells me that we have not really built a leadership team for scaling and delegating and letting each of them grow so we can have most of our time spent on on the vision and execution part. So that is one of the areas that I think shines a lot of light on how the owner has set the business up and then how they've entrusted their senior leadership team to manage. And this this sort of shows some some glaring issues. So the direct impact to the founder really is to have them take their hands off the steering wheel for a little while and, and give it to us while I work directly with them. I am the conduit now between them and the and the team. And one of the biggest challenges is, is avoiding all of those communications where people are going around others within the organization to go to the owner, where they have to really take a hands-off approach to the day-to-day, allow us to, to handle that, and then get an assessment of where the business has some opportunities, some some strengths, which will, would be obvious, but most importantly, their weaknesses uh, and any threats to the business. So that is where tactically we start to put a game plan together on whether it be change management, risk within the HR and revenue cycle department, uh, our reporting as we grow at different levels of employment, the number of employees that we have create different regulatory responsibilities. Is there enough horsepower there to handle it? But more importantly, is there people that have outside of experience to know when each one of these milestones triggers an, a, a reaction to the action. Excellent. Um, really, really good stuff. Um, obviously, you are, um, again, trying to be a little bit diplomatic on this, but uh, you, know, you are an agent for change um, and certainly accountability in working with these uh, businesses. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes it's a, a shorter term duration in terms of the objective and the impact you're able to make. Sometimes it's a longer engagement, depending on how heavy a lift and how comprehensive uh, it needs to be. But 
Let's talk a little bit about outcomes and the go forward look to the business. As a fractional uh, COO, I think the concept is that you work in the business, you work for the founder, you create accountability within the ops team and in a variety of different departments, like you've mentioned. Um, but you are you are also not a permanent employee, um, or, or that's not the intent. Um, sometimes it's to build. Uh, better capabilities within the existing team. And sometimes it's to uh, onboard and and hire, so to speak, your replacement as you transition off of the uh, engagement for the client. Um, So let's maybe, let's talk a little bit about some of the outcomes that you typically see and how somebody maybe transitions to the go forward, look to the business um, as you're you're transitioning out of the formal role. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. And and with each client, there's there's a different there's a different outcome. You know, with with some of ours, for example, uh, you know, we we work with a with an amazing team uh that has a large scale office that's looking to merge several different like offices, a fee for service high-end group practice. And their leadership team is going to be the one that is the uh the driver uh for the for the entire group. This was a group that we had to change out nearly the entire leadership team because what we had found was they were not only ill-prepared, but sort of unwilling to get out of their comfort zone. And the owner is the owners, I should say, were very committed to the process, no matter how difficult the decisions were that were going to be made. And since then, we have implemented a new call center. Uh, we've brought in new outside leadership that had some experience from other organizations, so they had a different view of things. Uh, and then other organizations have directors or even a COO that are that are actually welcoming of of the outside help because they're they're comfortable knowing that we are not their forever partner. We're there to sort of develop them and help them lead their teams with a different level of focus and engagement with their own teams. And most of that comes from helping them go from the micromanagement to the macro management. And all, all the while, what we are doing is still continuing to go forward with looking at opportunities for profitability, for margin expansion. We look under the hood, uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, somewhat. We also look for other areas of the business that are not necessarily operational with the team, but has the owner gotten themselves entangled with how they've financed their their uh, their growth? Are they cross collateralized with all their all their businesses? Are they unable to get uh, a growth facility, which is a which is just a, a lamest term for a line of credit to grow? So we often help them not only operationally but setting up you know their business entity as it relates to the legal construct of maybe setting up uh, a management company and how does that look how do expenses get allocated where can we get scale is there third party groups that we're using that are not really bringing value looking for ROI particularly in marketing is one that we f- that that we find there so we also then help them determine if their their debt structure and their ability to grow is possible it, it, what 
as I had mentioned, in the way that they have uh, uh, structured their loans. Many banks will ultimately get you to the proverbial wall where they won't lend you any more money. And the only way to get out of that is to kind of refinance the entire um, uh, debt load that they have. So we also look at their EBITDA to debt ratio. And normally, banks will will lend up to about a three to one ratio. So if your EBITDA was a million dollars, they generally look favorably on a debt load of about up to three million. So in easy numbers, if you got two million in debt, what we would try to do is restructure a growth facility of about a million dollars that if you found another practice you wanted to build or a de novo to have some runway uh, to do that. And the only way to do that is to unwind their current business practices uh, as it comes to the financial structure. So we really run kind of parallel tracks. One is internal operationally to create the level of growth and profitability to then pivot into the ability to fund for for future growth. And if there's one common denominator that I look for quickly is how does a leadership team welcome us as a resource? And then how do they accept the challenge of some of the changes they need to make? And that's been definitely the number one challenge. And I think that it has been a challenge for the owner, which has caused them to kind of throw their arms up and ultimately reach out to us. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good point to, to maybe, um, uh, <clears throat> you know, tackle a final thought question or, you know, there are a lot of people in our audience that are, um, that are building uh, growing group practices and they have um, aspirations on what that business will become, what it'll look like, what it'll feel like, why behind what they're building and everything like that. Um, and, you know, the the COO role is typically the one that gets filled, at least from a formal basis, first in in almost every group that I see. Sometimes people get overpromoted into that title, um, and uh, some uh, some they've hired from outside, and it's the the title is appropriate given the construct of the business. But for those that are in the audience and they're they're contemplating, hey, you know, my group's growing, um, the business is changing, it's a more dynamic animal. There are challenges abound. Um, I, you know. I'm committed to growth, but I'm not sure if I've out out kicked my coverage. I'm not sure if if I've outgrown my team. What should a, a prospective client consider from your lens uh, in bringing on uh, a fractional COO? What are some of the thought processes, decision points, ways to gain some objectivity around their business, their team, the the um, opportunity at hand, and all that kind of good stuff? I think if they have really recognize that they're they're sort of stuck and and part of that being stuck comes from a leadership team that is just unable to to move the organization forward there's really two trains of thought one is you know does the person need to be replaced because either they don't the and when i say the person i'm talking about the highest operational person within the organization they either do not have the skill set or the willingness to change. That's the biggest area. Uh, I also think that that at times the current team maybe themselves just lacks 
the appropriate level of leadership. So we we would often recommend bringing in either a, a regional director of operations or a director of operations or even a potential COO to oversee the current team. That's where we work ourselves out of a job. If we find that the current team with the right amount of guidance and leadership can actually get more tactical um, in in their particular job scope, but they just cannot execute on the on the visionaries strategy, then we we would often say, you know, it's time to bring someone a little bit higher level in to, to oversee the organization because many times the owner themselves is the is the CEO and the COO. They're pushing the team operationally and within their vision, trying to get them to do things to build the practices, profitability or production, patient flow, whatever that may be. Uh, but often the owner doesn't have that level of of you know true operational experience. So it would either be a change of a targeted change of certain management or the recommendation is to bring someone in over the current leadership team and I, and personally i have seen both uh be needed but one thing that i have been really fortunate to have is clients that have had teams that have been mostly receptive to us coming in. I mean, anytime you bring in, let's let's be really candid here. Anytime an owner is going to bring somebody in to evaluate the current leadership team, everybody's going to get introspective and think, is this about me? Generally, the answer is yes, um, but not always in a, in a negative way. A lot of times they want people to help them develop. We just picked up a new partner where um, they've elevated someone that they think needs some mentorship. So the goal is to truly work side by side by this uh, particular person that's going to take the reins in you know eight to ten months. Uh, there's others where we've had to change out the whole leadership team, as I said, and then you know that third one is just kind of mentoring who we have there and giving them a, a different perspective of how to look at certain scenarios, how to delegate, how to get out of the weeds so they can see see the landscape much more much more clear and i think as we start to deliver results owners start to feel more comfortable thinking okay this is working i'm becoming more profitable i'm learning things i didn't even know existed so they go from the 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 known unknowns uh, hopefully to the known knowns and then that gives them a whole different strategy an execution process to work on with clearer lines of responsibility, accountability, and and the ability to pull that off with with the team that they have, along with having the the funds to to continue to grow and at a minimum at least scale internally for vertical growth, as we talked about in the in the last uh, podcast that we did, Perrin, and that is optimizing the current businesses that we have first before starting to move outward. This is really the area that if you're going to scale, you have to make sure that the core offices that you have are really running well at maximum capacity and then can transfer that to other practices, whether it relates to internal culture, the vision, all the processes, and the team that you put in there will just simply fold into the current accountability chart with with very little uh, static to that. 
Excellent. We could, Aiden, you and I could talk about this for uh, days on end. And um, I, I think we would lose most of our audience because they wouldn't find it as thrilling to listen to as you and I do to talk about <laughs> it. But I, I think that the key here is that, you know, for growing groups, that ops team and the leadership of the ops team specifically is is critical to the next phase of growth and development for, for any business. It is natural for every business to promote from within. Um, that's a healthy thing. It engenders uh, continuity of culture, systems and processes. It sort of, for better or for worse, promotes tribal knowledge. Um, the downside to that is that sometimes you, you end up, you know, when it's all but too late, um, figuring out that the, the ops team and the leadership team that you've got um, is pr the business probably like a rung to two rungs bigger and more dynamic than your leadership team. And that creates um, a lack of performance in general, a lot of stress and strain and some um, frustrating conversations from founders to ops. And I think, you know, if if we have people in the audience that are looking at the growth of their business, not just from a revenue standpoint, but from a personnel standpoint, and they're trying to get a handle on, do I have the right team in place? Um, or is this something I need to take a second pass at? Having somebody like yourself to sort of sit in the middle of that is uh, is really worth the, its weight in gold because you bring so much perspective from your prior experience for sure, but also working with six to eight different clients currently that are all different types of businesses in different states at different stages of their journey with different objectives and bringing you on. And that's the type of perspective that you just don't get. And sometimes hiring someone outright as a new COO is not the right solution right here, right now, today. It might ultimately be, but that might not be the right next step. So I really thank you, my friend, for being on the, the show with me today. This is a great conversation and and one that um, we will surely continue. Thanks for the time today, Aiden. You got it, Parent. Thank you very much. And uh, thanks, obviously, to the listeners that uh, hope they got some value out of this call today. Yeah, and and it's a good point. If you if you are um, in the audience and you're kind of scratching your head and, and noodling on some of the things that Aiden and I shared, I'll link to his uh, contact information in the show notes. You can email him directly. It's Aiden A D I N at PolarisHealthcarePartners.com. You can book a call with him off the website as well, or the the comment field there for sure. Uh, and if this is something that you're also maybe thinking about proactively in terms of the next phase of growth for your business. Do I need a, uh, a, a true professional C-suite leadership team? Is it fractional? Is, is that the right next step in the evolution of the business? I'd encourage you to join us in lovely Puerto Rico, uh, April 24th through 27th for our Accelerate 2024 conference. This uh, C-suite leadership team conversation is a presentation that we are going to deliver. Aiden will be there uh, with us and will play a role in that. So you'll get a lot of undivided time uh, with him. Obviously, the conference has everything from doctor development, uh, C-suite leadership team, call center application, um, growth capital for scale, exit strategies, uh, business development, and a whole lot of other stuff that I'm forgetting off the top of my head because I wasn't prepared to talk about this at this point in the podcast, if you're still listening, which is great. But we do have seats open. Registration is available right now. 
uh, and we expect that conference to sell out. It will um, it will be limited to about 60 attendees. So if you're interested, great time of the year to be in Puerto Rico, and you know the content will be uh, worth the journey to get there. So we look forward to seeing you uh, then in Puerto Rico, April 24th through 27th for our Accelerate 2024 conference. Appreciate everybody being a listener and a subscriber. Y'all share the show with so many of your colleagues and, and we see that um, and, and typically, typically get inquiries about it. And I'm really grateful that you do so. We'll see you on the next episode.